Alright, good morning church. How's everybody doing today? So, so good to see all of you. Welcome to Hill City Church. Uh, welcome to our simple church, um, which I think most of us would say this is our favorite Sunday of the month where we can come together and just kind of strip away everything and just have that really intimate time with God, have unity as brothers and sisters in Christ and just share that oneness that comes with being in one accord and worshiping one God all together. So we always say just don't let a, being uncomfortable in something new make you complacent in finding God in this time. Do whatever you need to do, do whatever, do whatever you want to do. Just find God and connect with him today. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and pray. We're going to get started today. God, I thank you so much, Lord. I thank you for every person here, God. I pray even right now that you would start working on our hearts. Lord, prepare us for what you have to, for us to hear today, God. And I pray that you would just start working in our lives today. Just right now, God, we lay it all before you. We come surrendered. We come with our hands and our hearts lifted high, God, for you to do something today, Lord. We came to meet with you, so meet with us today. We love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
who's excited to be here today? Amen. Amen. It's just, it's so good to just come into a place and gather together. And the Bible says, they, they call it in one accord, which just means we're all in the same mindset. We've all come here with one reason in mind, one passion and one purpose, and that is Him. So I just encourage you, just step further. Step beyond what you're used to doing. If you, if you come just defeated and downtrodden and if all you can manage to do is slip up a hand or close your eyes, whatever it is that is beyond what you normally do, you know your relationship with God. So you push yourself today to connect with Him in a deeper way that, you're, that, that you normally do.
today. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Show. 
those words. You may be in a good place, easy to sing those. You may be in a, in a bad place, in a hard place. And in this moment, we choose, amen, as this church to say, great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord, for, for now and forevermore. God, you are great. Great are you, Lord. God, I thank you that this morning we can come into a place and worship you, God, and love you. God, that this worship is, <laughs> you don't need our worship, God. God, that, that we may give to you a gift, Father God, and in this moment that we may receive just a taste of you, God. Just a, an, a, just a bit of your presence, God. Lord, that we don't let this moment pass by, God, that we don't let it go away, God. I know your presence is here, Father. We invite you. We don't push you away, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. Give God a hand. Amen. And please stay standing for just a few more minutes. Uh, welcome to Hill City Church. If you need to sit, you can, Marcy. It's okay. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I did, oh, did I call you out? No. Welcome, welcome. Um, say circles are better than rows. This is part of a, kind of what we think about up here is like, you know, difference, but uh, we love it, and I, 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 we, we hear a lot of you love this too. I love worshiping with you guys. You know, it feels like we're worshiping together, amen? And um, it's just such a beautiful voice, so thank you for singing and worshiping with us. And uh, just a few things, so um, about five years ago, say five years, a few of us came from a, a church hills, uh, called Thrive Church North formerly known as New Life Worship Center. That's going way back. I won't go any further back in history. We'll stop there. But about five years ago, about 30 of us said, uh, they, they sent us out and said, go, uh, why don't you guys go st start a plant in Thornton? And so we started in this school, Shadow Ridge. Um, if you see our first Sundays, they were pretty funny. Um, we don't have, a, but they were, uh, they were pretty uh, raw, we'll say. And, um, you know, it's funny how you kind of dial it up to like a bigger thing, and then you kind of come back to the simplicity at the same time. 
because it's about Jesus, and that's what we're trying to do here. And so um, five years ago, we started that. And then as you, a lot of you know, uh, Hill City Church was birthed just about three months ago now. Two months ago, three. Man, time goes fast, doesn't it? Um, and I was, uh, thank you. Um, so five years ago, it's just we were looking, and, and uh, we, we started a church at a really, uh, a campus at a really odd time. Uh, John's wife, Candace, was pregnant. Um, Julie. I don't know, she's not in here. She was pregnant. My wife was pregnant. And I was looking at Aubrey, our little one. She's almost five years old. She wasn't even um, in this. She was obviously uh, not born yet. She was alive. I was reminded. But he's like, she was alive. I was like, yeah, she was alive. We believe in birth in the womb or living in the womb. So, but just crazy to think that we started this thing and these people weren't even existing yet. And it's so cool to see that. And um, it's just such an exciting journey. And uh, we're blessed and just so humbled to be a part of what God does, it's an honor. It's not a. It's not a have to. It's a. Get, it's not a. Uh, it's a get to, right? That we get to be a part of this. And um, I want you guys. To, uh, I did this last week with the uh, with our, our leadership, and uh, I'm, I'm going to say a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. And if you grew up in a more traditional Christian setting, you may have done this more frequently, probably every Sunday, maybe for like 15 minutes at a time. Don't worry, I'm not going to go that long. But I want you, I'm going to say this prayer, and it's a prayer for the church. And um, I want you just to repeat after me. And it's, don't be like, the first word is gracious father. Don't be like, gracious father. All right? Give it all your, give it all you got, okay? This is a prayer for our church. This is a prayer for the church universally as well as locally as Hill City Church. Okay? So we're five years in. We're just getting started. Amen? This is not the end. This is the beginning. And um, until God comes back, we're going to give it all we have. We're going to try to lead you guys into a closer relationship with Jesus. And, um, you know, that starts with praying. And John's going to talk about this morning. So here we go, okay? It's only about a couple sentences. Sentences. A couple sentences? That doesn't make sense. Ready? All right. For the church. Gracious Father. I'm not even going to say go again because you guys nailed it. All right. I'm going to say it one more time, though, just to get us started because I need to hear that again. Gracious Father. We pray for the Holy Church. Fill it with all truth. Come on, keep going. In all truth, with all peace, where it is corrupt, purify it. Where it is in error, direct it. Pray this to God. Don't just repeat up to me. Just pray this with me, all right? One more time. Where it is in error, direct it. Where in anything it is amiss, reform it. Where it is right, strengthen it where it is in want provide for it where it is divided reunite it for the sake of Jesus Christ thy son and savior amen amen give God a hand amen amen that's all we can do amen and just pray that I pray that for our church I pray those things that we're doing or we miss. We're not perfect. If you think we are, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you this morning. We are not perfect. But I pray that God would reveal those things to us and help us follow him. And where those things are right, let's do it better, right? It's like where Simeon throws four TDs, may he throw six TDs, all right? No? Oh, hey, shh. All right. But man, I'm just, I want to, um, I'm going to I'm gonna have our ushers come forward, but um, that's good, amen? Um. I just wanted to, um, we had a loss in our church family a week ago, 
Some of you may have seen this, you know this, um, but Sean, um, his last name Richard? No, what's his last name? Cluckman. Sean Cluckman, Pam, Pam Richards, uh, her son, uh, passed away um, a week ago, um, Saturday night. Um, we think um, he was supposed to come Sunday morning and pick up Pam, and he didn't call her, and um, he didn't pick her up. She called and called and called, and um, finally called the police and went over, and um, he, had, he had passed away um, Saturday night. Um, some of you didn't know Sean, great, great guy, um, sat right in the front. And it's hard for me, um, you know, you get used to, um, as a speaker, to look at certain faces in the crowd, and you, you do look at everyone, <laughs> but there are certain faces you pick out because they're, um, sometimes, you know, you got some snoozers in the crowd, and you're like, well, I'm not going to look at them. <laughs> but you get some people that are always really engaged, and I, every time I looked at Sean, just a face I could lock in and be like, he's listening, he's getting this. And... Um, it's hard to think that, um, you know, we won't see his face again. Um, but I honestly believe that, and this is just a Christian thing to say, I believe that he, was, he, had a, he knew Jesus. And he had been in this place, and he finished his life strong. Um, it wasn't a, um, you know, he had been going to church for quite some time, and he'd been really latched into the, locked into this family. And, and we were starting to get to know him, and too early, um, he, was, he was a young man. Um, and so... Um, we're going to pray for his family, uh, for Pam, and uh, did you say it was Jim? His, his parents, Jim and Pam. And they had just lost us, his son like three years ago. So, you know, I don't know why some people go through this and they lose multiple people. I've lost my father at a young age. Um, but all we, we can do is, just like we prayed for this church, where there's things that miss, where there's things that need reform, where there's things that need to be purified, I pray that in their life this morning. Um, and um, so a few logistics. There is a funeral service this uh, Tuesday at 10 a.m. on 120th and Grant. Uh, Tuesday, 10 a.m., 120th and Grant, and it's a, it's a funeral home, right? Um, so you're welcome to come. Um, if you, if you want to know if you can help, um, can they reach out to you, to Candace, or talk to her afterwards? Um, I know we've been taking care of the family and giving them gifts and uh, or giving them food and doing whatever we can. You know, it's hard to come up with. How do you solve for this? You can't solve. There's no... There's no there's no remedy for this, and there's just a time of grieving. So we grieve with them. We rejoice with each other. We, we grieve with them this morning. So I'm going to pray. Um, and think about our church and think about um, Sean and, and his life in eternity and where, where I absolutely believe he is. And uh, so, and then let's just glorify God. Amen. Amen. God, thank you for this morning and your presence and your spirit and our ability and option to even worship you this morning. God. Lord, we pray for our church, for Hill City Church, for the local church, God, that it would thrive, that it would be purified, that it would be reformed, God, that we would do things right in your sight, not by our own abilities, not by what we think might be the right thing to do, God, but we'd be led by your spirit, God, we'd be led by Jesus this morning. Yes. And God, I pray for uh, the, the global church, God, the universal church, just that we were praying that, God, that it is the hope of the world, and we believe that, God, that Christians are uniquely equipped by your spirit and people to bring in your kingdom into this world, God. So I pray, God, for, for just your, your, um, 
your spirit, God, in our churches locally and globally, Father. And I pray for Jim and Pam this morning as they've lost their son. Um, and in our church, we've lost a member. We've lost a part of our family this morning, God. We've, we'll learn to adapt to learn to be without him, God. But I pray for their family as they go through this very, very difficult, hard moment in their lives, God. Lord, that not only would we, we pray for them and grieve with them, God, that we would be there for them, Lord, and serve them, God. And we thank you for life. God, I thank you for Sean's life this morning. Thank you that we got to be a part of his life even for just a moment. So hard to lose someone out of this family. But God, we thank you for his life, for, for creating him, and God, for calling him your child, your son this morning. We worship you. We thank you, God. We glorify you. God, you. We glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. So if you do know Pam, uh, please take time to give her a call, a shout out, just hello. Uh, everything, it, it matters. It, it, we, we feel like what we do don't matter, but it, it's those little things that matter in our life. Um, today, if you have your Bibles or if you have your Bible apps, please go to Matthew, I mean Mark chapter 2. Oh, I'm gonna do, I have to do that again. If you have your Bibles or your apps, please go to Mark chapter 2. We love the Word of God here. We believe that it absolutely changes us, and it does. It gives us peace. It gives us strength, authority. Uh, but today, uh, I want, um, Paul, if you want to come up and just uh, read the call of uh, Levi in uh, Mark 2, 13 to 17, and then we're going to run right in. 13 to 17? Yep. <clears throat> Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, Alphaeus sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners, and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? <laughs> On hearing that, this Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That's the word of God. We believe it changes our lives. We're on, uh, we're on part seven of... Uh, the book of Mark, we're calling this Meet Jesus. We're reintroducing you to Jesus. Because a lot of times we hear this and that about Jesus and we think we know him. But I want you to know him as, as, uh, as Jesus said about himself. A lot of times we want to hear what someone has to say about Jesus. I want you to know what Jesus said about himself. What the first writer, the book of Mark was the first gospel written. So it was the first book after Jesus was resurrected that was written about Jesus. So this is, this is the book that you want to go to if you want to know who Jesus was and, uh, and Jesus as he is. And this is, he doesn't fluff him up or, it, you know, sometimes you, uh, you, you watch Jesus, like a Jesus movie, and it's like, it's like Jesus on Valium, right? He's like, he's always chill and everything's cool. Everything wasn't cool. He wasn't always chill. He was super rude sometimes. He was sarcastic. He'd make jokes at bad moments. Anyone make jokes at bad moments? Just me. I'm like a bad moment joke person. And then you know it's bad when no one laughs. Yeah, but it's awesome when you get one person to laugh, and you're like, all right, I made it. I made it, right? But, it, it, but this was the real, raw, radical, rude 
Jesus, redeeming, I don't know any more R's, but that's a lot of R's, all right? And listen, everything you need to know about God is found in Jesus. If you want to know who God is, look no farther than Jesus. He is God in the flesh. He is the revelation. Everything that you need to know of how God moves, acts, loves, speaks, talks, is in Jesus. God is not this like, this, uh, this non-emotional being that doesn't care, he just is, uh, hovers around. No, he is Jesus. He cares about the deep things. He cares about the little things. He speaks in a way that captures your mind. That is God in the flesh. Last week, we talked about Jesus healing the paralyzed man. And his friends literally raised the roof, right? They're like, whoop, whoop, right? They raised the roof. They got some shovels. They dug out the roof and they, they got their friend to Jesus. And I, I love it because there's, there's some friends in your life that will do anything that needs to be done to get you to Jesus. They will do anything that needs to be done to make sure you're okay. And I pray that the church is known for that sort of friendship, that you guys Church doesn't mean anything. It means family. That's how I try to read it in the Bible because every time it says the word church, it never meant a building. It always meant the people. So I believe you guys are that kind of people where we desire to be that kind of people who live out costly friendships where it costs you something, where it doesn't sit back and say, oh, I love you. I'll pray for you. That's cool. Pray for me. Man, cry with me sometimes. Laugh with me sometimes. It has to be costly depth of relationship. It's not this fake friendship that we, 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 we want to run across where it doesn't cost you anything. Anything that's worth anything will cost you emotionally, physically. Just it will cost you in your life. But I love hearing Jesus because uh, these friends take this man to Jesus and immediately Jesus doesn't say what we think he should say. He says something crazy because everyone thought that Jesus was there to heal his physical healing. But actually Jesus, what he does, he says, your sins are forgiven. We talked about that last week that we think that our, our, our immediate need is the most important thing in our life. Yet Jesus never speaks to just our immediate need. He speaks to our spiritual need. Because he, he understands something we don't understand. Jesus loves this man so much that he is willing to sound upset or uncaring because he knows unless he heals the soul, he will never be healed fully. Jesus cuts him deep like a surgeon to cut away, the, and to go past the surface needs. Because some of us, we just want God to meet our surface needs because that's what we want God to do. But God doesn't just meet our surface needs. He starts, he goes in deep to get out the sickness that, is, that at one point will kill you. So he gets to the heart matter. And Jesus is saying to us in last week's message, you are too easily pleased. You are too easily satisfied. C.S. Lewis wrote it this way. If we consider, and this is in, this, uh, in a book he wrote called The Weight of Glory. He says, if we consider the promises of the gospel, the promises of God in the gospel, we would seem that our Lord finds our desire not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slums because he cannot imagine what it's meant by the offer of holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. 
And I, I know that can be a little confusing because uh, what he's saying is because if we truly wanted the fullness and happiness and fulfillment and satisfaction in our lives, we would have to look deeper than just our immediate wants. That's what he's trying to say. We wouldn't just stop at just momentary crumbs of happiness, but we would have to dive in deeper, living for something greater, with more purpose, with more life. Is our God relationship too shallow than what God has for us? Are we just satisfied with doing some church stuff and some yay, yay, Jesus stuff, you know? And when God has something way deeper for you, is our relationship, our religion, our faith too shallow? Because God knows that we are most satisfied when God is most glorified in us. Some of us, we sit back and we, we say, we want to glorify you, God. We want to make you big. But that's all it goes. It doesn't go any deeper than that. And that's a shallow, um, that's, to the Christians, I just want to say that's a very shallow way of living. If you want the depth of God, you're not satisfied enough. It's like having a marriage and being okay with okay, right? You know there's so much greater in this relationship, but you got to go deeper. you got to put some time into it. you got to believe that there's more for you. Right? And, and sometimes we're too satisfied with, oh, just how it is. Uh, this is how no normally everyone else's marriages is. I don't want everyone else's marriage. Everyone else's marriage, 50% of them are not good. Do you want everyone else, what everyone else is doing in this world? Man, I want depth of marriage. I want the depth of God. I want the fullness of what God has for my life. I don't want to die knowing I left something on the table. I hope that's in you. I hope that's a fire in you. Say, I don't want to die just living this life knowing that there was more for me, but just living it because I thought it was okay. That's what other people were doing. I don't want you to come in here and praise God like everyone else is praising God. I want you to look extravagant because that's how God loved you. He loved you extravagantly. Worship has nothing to do with what you look or what you say. It is the extravagance of what God has placed in you and what he has done pouring out of you and saying, this is the best I have. And when you get to that place, when you bring your passion into a place, you see in a new, whole new level of seeing. There's just another way of seeing. And you can't get there until you pour out. I'm just telling you. That was last week's message. So if you missed it, jump in. Jump in. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. So this week, we pick it up. At the call of Levi, also known as Matthew. Levi is his Hebrew name. Matthew is his Greek name. We all know him as Matthew because he wrote the Bible. He wrote uh, the Gospel of Matthew. I was going to go in there and talk about the Gospel of Matthew, how it relates to the Scripture, but I'm not because that's too much information, all right? But this is Matthew, a.k.a. Levi, and, and this is the call of Matthew. But what Jesus is really trying to do in this Scripture between uh, Mark 2, 13 to 17, is show us how salvation works. Isn't that pretty important? How does salvation work? How does God save? How does God call us to himself? But on the other side of understanding how salvation works, this is also shows how many people have an improper view of salvation. Many people in this room today, do you have the right understanding of salvation? Because your view of your own sinfulness reveals whether or not you're saved. I'm going to say that again because this is a huge statement. And uh, this is really important for those who have been Christians for a while. Your view of your own sinfulness reveals whether or not you are saved. I'm telling you, this is big stuff. 
here Jesus is speaking to two groups of people. The first group, the people who are very, very aware of their reality of sinfulness, right? There's, there's some people who know they're sinful. They just know it, right? They know their darkness. They know how messed up they are. Some of us in here, we're very aware of the depth of our sin. We just are. And we know uh, of the depth of our, uh, of our temptation. And we know that, we, that everyone is literally one decision away from wrecking their life. Some of us, we, we think of us and them, but some of us know the depth of our sinfulness and we know it's us and us. <laughs> there is no them, right? We know we're all one decision. I don't care if you're Pastor John or, or, or if you're Jed. It doesn't matter how long if you walk in this faith. If you need to know the depth of your own darkness, right? Yet people in this group have an issue with acceptance and being loved by God. You feel not good enough. You might not say it, but somewhere in you believes God can't love me. God can't use me. I'm too broken. God can't love you. Uh, God can love you, but God can't love me. We, there's this weird blockage. I'm very much in this camp. I, I always feel that I, I live in just a, in a little too much condemnation. That's just where I live. That's where my mind goes. And, and, and sometimes it stops me from, uh, from realizing the fullness of God's love for me. Condemnation, disqualification thinking. That's what I called it. This keeps you from fully engaging God, fully worshiping God, fully loving God, fully believing God. But there's another second group. There's a second camp. People who believe they're sinners, but they're not that bad. I mean, I'm a sinner, but I'm not as bad as Paul Frank, Right? Right? That's, that's, how you, that's how we think. This is, how the, the, this is the human darkness, man. This is, the, the, this is our innate like, uh, place that we live in. When, when we talk about blessing, we always, we always compare up. We're like, man, look at them. They have more than me. When we talk about sinfulness and our weaknesses, we always compare them. I'm better than that guy. I'm better than Aaron. I know I'm pretty bad, but not as bad as Aaron. Right? We always compare down in sinfulness, compare up in blessing. That shows you your own very state of your own sinfulness. Isn't that just the reality of that? Can, doesn't that show you that? And, and this shows us the insanity of sinfulness, that it tricks us because at least you're not that guy. That dude needs Jesus. I'm all right. I'm doing pretty good, right? And the result of this view of, 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 of comparing and contrasting down is that grace is really not that amazing. Grace is really not that amazing. It's pretty cool that God saved me, but like, I think God needed me on his team, right? Like, we can high five with Jesus, right? I'm right up there. There's like Jesus and Peter and maybe me and Paul underneath. You know, you, you, know, you, you, you rank yourself too high when you're really junior varsity. You're on the freshman football team, CJ, right? That's where I am. I'm freshman, and I think I'm varsity. I think I should be a starter, when I, in, we're in reality, I'm absolutely wrong. And grace is not that amazing. And Jesus is telling us in that scripture, this is a dangerous place to be. Very dangerous. Comfortable in being comfortable. Our apathy begins to rise. Our religion begins to roll. And our compassion begins to die. When you get comfortable in being comfortable. So back to Mark 2. I'm going to read that first scripture. It says, He, Jesus, went out again beside the sea. And if you want to see the rhythms and rhymes of how Jesus moves, is that when he does a miracle where he works, he, then he leaves. <laughs> it's awesome. He always like leaves town. He's like, 
Those people are driving me crazy. And he takes a walk by the beach. He goes up to the mountains. He needs to get away. There's a rhythm of work and rest. And some of us, especially us uh, in, in this country, we, don't, we have not learned the rhythm of rest. We have learned the rhythm of go, 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 go until you feel like death and then you get sick and that's how you rest, like I'm resting. <laughs> I am so sick I'm resting. But there's, there has to be a rhythm of rest where there's beauty in rest. When you, when you look at the beauty of this world, the beauty of faith, the beauty of relationships, there has to be a rhythm of pouring in to pour out. Pouring in, you got to pour in to pour out. Or you got nothing to pour out because you can't give what you don't have. You cannot give what you don't have. And so he goes to the, he goes and, and then he calls. I love this part in verse 14. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, which is AKA Matthew, at the tax booth. Say at the tax booth. That's a huge thing to understand where he called Levi. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose up and followed him. A radical call demands a radical action. When Jesus calls your soul, do not hold back. It demands a radical action. And then he, then of course, Jesus is always at uh, sinner's parties. That's what, I don't know, that's where he ends up, right? He's, 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 him and his boys, honestly, are always throwing parties. I love it. Because our church always likes to throw parties. We love getting together. That's what Jesus did all the time. But people were invited. So everyone wants to be around Jesus. He's throwing a party. And many, it says, many tax collector sinners were reclining at the table with Jesus. He was not an untouchable because he was religious or holy. He was, because he was holy, he was even more touchable. Think about that. We think, we, we think of the word holy wrong because we think we want to be set apart, meaning you can't touch me. But because he knew he was holy, he knew he needed to be more touchable, more, more access into his life. Man, don't get Jesus wrong. Don't get holiness wrong. Don't make it religious. Don't make it religion when God has something different for us. Then he was eating, and of course the Pharisees, they saw him eating with these guys, and he, they go crazy. And they say, don't you know who you're sitting next to? Don't you know who you're sitting next to, Jesus? Don't, don't, doesn't this Jesus guy know that these guys are scum? They're trash. They're the worst of the worst. They're mobsters. They're criminals. They're sinners with a capital S. And when Jesus heard this, he said, no, you didn't. No, he didn't say that. He said to them, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So I have two points for you. And uh, the first point is Jesus, friend of sinners. And welcome my friend, Christina Vargas up to speak to you. Good morning. Um, I'm, my name is Christina Vargas. My husband and I lead the marriage ministry here at church. So, thank you. So funny, I was like, if I ever speak, I'm not going to do simple church because I get dizzy really fast. And God, how do you, how many of you know, like, God has bigger plans than us? He's like, yeah, you're going to do simple church and walk around in a circle. So, excuse me if I get nauseous. <laughs> so, I get to talk about Jesus, friend of sinners, and was asked to share my story before I accepted Christ into my heart. And I must admit, when I was messaging Pastor John and I saw this, I immediately burst into tears. Um, and I even questioned, like, why am I crying right now? Well, it was because we live in a world where we're good. Everybody's perfect, and you see this outer shell, and, you know, that, that family's amazing, and they're awesome. Um, but I was still filled with all this, you know, just dirty in my heart and everything. 
And so I was like, I, and I don't open up um, as much as I should just because I'm a guarded person, but I'm getting better and with the help of God, like he's helping me. But um, so sometimes I have to ask myself, am I good? Am I really good? Even when somebody asks me, hey, how are you doing? How's it going? I'm like, I'm good. And then I, I just feel so fake inside, like, no, I'm not good. Like, I'm really struggling. But I just put on this perception as we're good. So with your permission and your grace, I'm about to get very vulnerable and real and expose um, how I came to know Jesus and how I became to know that he is a friend of sinners. So I was 22 years old, partying, drinking, and living an unpure life. But deeper than that was my need to control everything. I'm your type A person, AKA control freak. In my formula, A plus B equals C. It's as simple as that. If I just follow these rules, C will happen. And my father left me, left my teenage mom to raise me by herself. So I was filled with a ton of rejection, but she did an amazing job. Thank you, mom. She's gonna make me cry, so I'm not gonna look over there. <laughs> um, so, but I was angry, bitter, and full of rejection. I pushed everyone and anyone away, afraid that if they got too close, one day they would hurt me. So I didn't have many friends because of this fear, and I actually tried to push my boyfriend away, who is now my husband. Thank the Lord, he said, no, I'm not going away. <laughs> and he stuck it out, so, and celebrating 10 years together. So, very excited for that. And um, so, A plus B equals C, control freak. I was a prison in my control. I felt that I had to do everything. I had to hold on to everything. I had to do it all. And it wasn't until um, we, were, we had a miscarriage. We, I was pregnant two months in, and um, I had a very bad migraine and asked the doctor if I could take anything. And she said, well, are you experiencing other, any other symptoms? I said, well, I'm bleeding a little bit. So they wanted to see me. They did an ultrasound, which I was really excited because we got to see the baby before our two-month appointment. Well, when we got there, they did the ultrasound. I knew the doctor had bad news because of her face. And we said, what is it? She said, the baby doesn't have a heartbeat and it won't make it. And so we were... I mean, my world just went just out of control. I could not control this. And I turned to my husband and I said, we need to pray. And he said, I don't know how to pray. I said, I don't know. It's like you're talking to your friend. Because I was raised in church. I was, I knew the, I was very religious. I knew when to kneel and when to stand. And I knew the prayer. And I would look around and say, oh, that person doesn't know the prayer. They must not know God. But Little did I know how wrong I was. So he prayed, and we said, God, if you give us this baby, we promise we'll go back to church. Well, within that week, we lost the baby. And um, I remember just being so angry, so bitter, that we would, I was just filled with this rage that I would actually get into fights. We would have parties at our house, and if anybody looked at me wrong, I would just want to fight them. And you may not know it looking at me, you know, sweet Christina. <laughs> but I remember my husband, some girls came and they wanted to use the restroom. And I said, no, get out of my house. <laughs> I was just crazy. I'm just being honest with you. And so um, they wanted to fight me. 
So I wanted to fight them. And I remember my husband holding me back, or my boyfriend at the time holding me back. And uh, I went under his arms, tackled this girl in the snow. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> so, but I just look back and I'm like, what were you thinking? Like these poor girls just needed to use the restroom and you had one and you denied them. So it was just crazy. And uh, I just realized like, I can't be this person. I'm not angry, I'm not bitter, I'm not full of rejection, and I just, it was making me into this ugly, ugly person. So, so uh, fast forward a few months, we had our son, Robert Jr., and I remember him sleeping so peacefully in his bed, and he was six months old, and I looked at him, and I remember that promise I made to God. I was like, all right, God, send me to a non-judgmental church. That was my very specific prayer, because a lot of religious people I met were full of judgments, and I knew I wasn't living the life I was supposed to, and I was afraid of people judging me. So my friend, knowing of my lifestyle, invited me to church, and I reluctantly accepted, because again, I was afraid. And then more than that, in my formula, me equals broken, dirty, ashamed, cannot be near a perfect, holy God. So I went, and it was there where I experienced the Jesus friend of sinners. It didn't matter that I was broken. All that mattered was that he could heal me. He could mend me. So in Romans 5, 8, and I'm, I know Pastor John is going to speak on this, but it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I experienced his grace. In my formula, it didn't make sense. But it had nothing to do with my goodness, our lack of, but it had everything to do with his goodness and his love for me and for you. And along that process, I learned to trust God. I learned, thank the Lord, that I no longer had to be in control. I have experienced true freedom in saying, God, you are in control, and you just tell me where to move, and I will move. And I know a lot of you in here today need to hear that because God wants to take your burdens and he wants to take that from you and he wants you to be filled with a life of peace. So thank you for allowing me to share and my prayer is that you would receive God today, that you would receive his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness. That's good. I love it. God finds us where we are. That was her point. God takes us as we are. In the Bible, Matthew was in the tax booth. He wasn't cleaned up. He wasn't going to church. He didn't have it together. He was in his sin. And, uh, and tax collectors back in then were, uh, were like just straight mobsters. They'd, uh, you, they would ask for money, and if you didn't give it, they had the Roman legions behind their backs that they could, they could crush your family, destroy everything that you've had, so they would just rob you of your money, of your, of your savings. So point number one, Jesus is a friend of sinners. Point number two, you guys ready? Jesus is a friend of sinners. That's right. Have you ever been lost but didn't know you're lost? Have you ever, this is before GPS tells you you're lost, right? Have you ever driven to get to Fort Collins, but you ended up in Wyoming? 
right? I don't know if you've anyone ever been lost but didn't know they're lost, so they even got more lost. When you are lost and you don't know you're lost, you're even more lost. That's just how it is. And some of us guys, we don't ask for directions. You say, I'm close, I'm close, I'm close. And uh, even this week, uh, I was going to lunch uh, with Paul Cervantes, and there was a, we were trying to get to a certain restaurant. And it's funny because the restaurant was here, and we were here, right? So we would drive down, and we're like, I think we went too far. So we'd come back. <laughs> then we'd drive down. I think it's right on the right. And it's like we were so, like one block away, and we kept on, we kept on coming back because we, we were lost, but we didn't know we were lost because we thought we weren't lost. <laughs> and when you're lost and you don't know you're lost because you don't think you are lost, you're even more lost. And, that, and that's who Jesus is speaking to when he's saying you're a friend of sinners. Because when they kept on driving, saying, I know the way. I know how to get out of this. I know. How many times have we said that to ourselves? I know how to get out of this. I know the answer. Just follow me. Just follow me. Knowing that you're totally lost and you're just winging it, man. You're just winging it. You are most lost when you don't know you're lost, right? And this is the way of the Pharisee. And maybe this is us today when Jesus said, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. And immediately we think of someone else. And that's what the Pharisees did. They weren't, Jesus wasn't saying the Pharisees were good and these people were sick. He was saying, you guys are all sick. But when you think you're found and you're good, you think someone else is sick. And you're good. And that is a bad place to be. Though, and he didn't mean the Pharisees were healthy. They were just as sick, but they didn't even understand their sickness. You see, a doctor can't help you when you think you're healthy and you don't go to one, right? A doctor can't help you. If you, like, broke your ankle, you're like, I think it's still good. And you're like, you know, you're still going. <laughs> have you ever, I don't know if you're like me. That's something that I would totally do. Like, have a broken ankle and be like, I'm still good. I'm still good. Ow. Ow, ow, ow. I'm still good. I, I swear it's going to heal in place. It's now fractured. It's just sprained. Then you'd be like, John, there's a bone sticking out. It's not a bone. It's not a bone. It's just that's the way that God made me, right? It's, I, I try to stay away from doctors, but a doctor cannot, cannot treat your illness unless you go to one, unless you understand, okay, my ankle is broken. I need to get that realigned. I need to get that snapped together. And the longer you walk on a broken leg, and it starts to heal wrong, guess what the doctor has to do? He's got to re-break that mess. And the longer we're, we've been going in our sickness, guess what Jesus has to do? He's going to have to re-break it and take Christ, someone like Christina to the very place of control and says, I'm going to re-break it. And I'm going to heal that relationship maybe with your father. I'm going to have to heal that relationship with, your, with the loss of that child, with your boyfriend slash uh, man lover here. Um, you, you know, he, he's going to have to break it to get you to a place of, uh, of, of the original place so that he can mend us back together. That's what a doctor has to do. Listen, a marriage counselor can't help you when you don't go to one. You're like, I, I, ooh, I'm sorry, I hear this a lot. Our marriage isn't doing too good. Then go to a counselor. No, we're not doing that bad. I'm like, yeah, you are, because it was like five years you told me that. And you tell me that every year. And you're not talking to your wife even now, you know? I'm like, at some point, man, just like, don't lie to my face for five years. At some point, dear God, everyone knows you have a marriage problem. 
You think you're trying to save face. Don't worry, I'm good. I'm trying to save face. Why are you saving face when you're looking like a fool? Why? You, you, it's so crazy. Man, deal. You got to deal with it. You got to get back into the place of pain so that God can break the things that need to be broken, break the place of sin that needs to be broken so that you can finally be mended and free and move like the way you were supposed to move and live like the way you were supposed to live. Man, that is what God wants to do with us. What's the point of saving face when you're sick? Wake up, your silence, your fear, your sin is going to end up killing you. You need a doctor. You need a doctor. Because, because we all got the sin virus. We all have it. See, back to Romans 5, 8, it says, But God shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners in our sin, with a capital S, that's when Christ died for us, healed us, did surgery. He has, we have access now to Christ. Verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? What we don't understand sometimes when we play down is the wrath of God. There is sin and there is a judgment for sin. We, we like to downplay it. We're Americans. We don't want to be too harsh, right? But there is a wrath for sin. All of us, without a doctor, we need a blood transfusion. We all do. And, 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 and the end of it would cause our death. And honestly, it's spiritual death. It's hell. It's hell. I know no one likes to talk about hell, but no one talked about hell more than Jesus. I'm sorry. I know we like, to, we like to hippify Jesus and say he was all love and stuff, but no one talks about hell more than Jesus. Because he, if you know that there is pain and harm in someone's life and you want to cut that part out of the story, what you're doing is not giving them the whole story and you're not giving them the fullness of love. Truth is love sometimes. When your kid is going to burn their hands and you say, don't touch it, and then you whack their hand, it's not because you hate them, it's because you love them. Sometimes we call love hate and hate love. We do things backwards because we don't want to hear it because we, we want to be emotionally sensitive when there is a hell, when there is a wrath of God, like Paul is saying, and we need a blood transfusion through Jesus to bring us back to life. Verse 10, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. How much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life? And it's just saying we were enemies of God. You and I, we were all enemies of God. For the ones, man, we all cost Jesus his life. Not only the tax collectors, not only the sinners with the capital S, not the them, you know, we're not as bad as them, but for the Pharisees too. And some of us, we're most blinded by our own goodness. It is not your darkness that blinds you, but it's your goodness that blinds you. Because we think, we take a religious stance and we think, Jesus is uh, being a good person and your sinners are being a bad person. Jesus is like, it's neither. We're all bad people. You guys are all messed up. And you are in need of God's grace. Every single one of us. It is only by grace we are saved through faith and not of yourself, not of works. So no man, no person can boast. There is no boasting in the gospel. There's no boasting as a Christian. It's all a gift of God. That's the gospel. Tim Keller, one of my favorite reads, he says, we are, most sin we are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared to believe, yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted than we ever dared to hope. 
That is the beauty of what Jesus does. He evens the playing field. He evens everything out. It's not us and them. It's just us in absolute need of God. Not our goodness, but his extravagant love. That's why Christians who understand the gospel of Jesus, the story of Jesus, should be the most humble, joy-filled people because they understand that Jesus did it all. He did every bit of it. And what you need to do is respond to the gift of God. He did it all. So the first, let's stand. Let's stand as we close up. I want us to know that we all need a doctor, not just you, me too. We all need Jesus in our lives. And don't let condemnation get in the way from getting to Jesus. Don't let your own discouragement of how you feel so distant from God get in the way to getting to Jesus. Because you are a half a step away from God. It says in the book of James, as you draw near to God, he runs towards you. That's the story of the prodigal son. Our Father does not wait for you to get to Him and kneel on the ground and say, please love me. Our Father is not that Father. We might have had a Father. We might have grown up in a household where you had to come begging for your Father's love and forgiveness. But that is not our God. He, when He sees you at the end of the lot, a mile away, He puts His running shoes on and He runs for you. We have a God that loves us on the run, man. He is on the run for you. So when you take a half a step towards God, He is on full blast sprint towards you. That's the love of God towards you. Go to Christ who can wash away our sickness, our darkness, mend your broken heart break the things that need to be broken. Yes, it's going to hurt, but it's for your freedom. Heal your addictions. Heal your past. Who can save a sinner with a capital S like me and you. Go to Jesus. That's the first thing I want to say to you. You're in this room. You play church. You're like the Pharisees, and I'm just talking to Christians right now because this is how we, this is how we roll. This is our MO. This is how we do it. We say, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And when Jesus is talking to, oh, the, I came here for the sinners. Have you ever read that verse and said, oh, that's for them? Came for the sinners. and not I, I came for the sick and not the well. And you think you're well immediately. And what Jesus was saying is, you're all sick. And number two, if Jesus is a friend of sinners, this is huge. If Jesus is a friend of sinners, are you? If Jesus is a friend of sinners, are you? Would you describe that as part of your life? Honestly, are you a friend of sinners? Do you go out of your way to go out of your way because you understand you are them too? If not, why? I'll tell you why. Because there's a them and an us. And the way Jesus looked at life, there was no them us. There was no them us. It was us, man. It was us. If Jesus is a friend of sinners, are you? Are you? But it, I'm busy, John. It's hard. It's, uh, they're too messy. Their life is so messy. So is yours. But someone poured into your life. Someone said you were worth it. Someone loved you enough. Once again, we think too small of our sin and too big of theirs. 
because, man, we don't understand what Jesus did for us. Just maybe the Pharisee in us stops us from seeing. Today, maybe you need to ask God for forgiveness in that way. God, there is a Pharisee in me that I can't even see. And my goodness, or I, my thought of my goodness is stopping me from seeing your holiness, God. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. If you're in this room and you deal with condemnation, you think you're never, you know God loves you, but not, but he can't love me like he loves Paul or John. And if that's you and you deal with condemnation, you feel dirty and you just feel like you can't quite get to God, I want to say that's a lie. Just raise your hands and say, God, I want you to break that off of my life. Thank you. All those who have raised their hands. Yeah. Yeah, let it up. Who cares? Don't even let people look down on you. God does not look down on you. He is running towards you right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray for every hand that is raised with mine because I deal with it constantly, especially on Sundays, God. I feel like I just, everything just keeps me away from you, God. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would defeat condemnation in our life, Lord God, that our qualification is not based on what we do, what we say, and how we look. Our qualification is based on Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. But it's a gift of God in the name of Jesus. And for many of us, you can put your hands down. And if you're in this room and you see a Pharisee in you, you're, there's a self-righteousness and you know it's there, but you quite don't want to look at it. And this is really hard to see because your goodness is keeping you away from God. And that's hard to say even in church. We, we, we think we're supposed to not say that. But if you think, if you have set apart an us and them and that's you and you know God needs to break that off you, just raise your hands and say, God, help me see like you see, God. Just raise your hands, God. Help me. Help me. I know, Lord God, I am in need of you. I pray, break off the us and them and let me understand, Lord God, that all have sinned, Lord God. All have sinned, Lord God. All, Lord God, we all without you are far from God. But you ripped open heaven and you came to us, Lord God. I pray for every hand that is raised, Lord God, that you would break the religious spirit so that we could be the church, the family of God that we need to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you guys. God bless you. Man, let that marinate in your heart. Amen. Give God praise. And as you leave today, I want to ask that question one more time. Jesus is a friend of sinners. Are you? Are you? And if not, I want you to really think about what that means for your life. God bless you.